This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition, and you can take control of the airwaves via our toll-free number. 800-259-9231 is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give them away. Those other radio talk show hosts want to charge you for their websites. We do it for free. FreeTalkLive.com. Once again, our number is 800-259-9231. We're starting things out uh, with a special guest here tonight. It is Irina Goddard, and she is the organizer, the planner, the woman behind the scenes of the upcoming Liberty Forum, which we've been talking a lot about here on Free Talk Live. And so I think it's important to have her on to sort of, well, maybe explain some of the facets of the forum that we might have missed or, or glossed over here on Free Talk Live. And I know I'm really excited about attending this, Mark. It's going to be happening from, I believe, February 23rd through the 25th. Is that right, Irina? That's right. That's right. Hello, Mark. Hello, Ian. Hello. Um, hello. Um, actually, on the 22nd, we're also going to have an activity. We're calling it the uh, House Tour, House Action Tour. And um, people can come, and we're going to be giving them a tour of the State House here in Concord. Uh, and we're going to be going to some of the committees and, and listening to some of the bills uh, that are being discussed. Right. So there's now, also an activity on Thursday afternoon. Now, this is the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, again, February 22nd through the 25th. We've been talking a lot about it here on Free Talk Live, well, because we're going to be in attendance. Um, not only are we going to be broadcasting live from the event, both Friday and Saturday nights, but we're also going to be um, involved in some of the activities. I know I'm going to be sitting on a panel. I'm going to be on the uh, broadcast and media panel. I know, Mark, you're going to be involved in some sort of way, like uh, moderating a few panels or well, at least one. Something. And so that's exciting enough for you and I, but it's even bigger because there's going to be some major names, some big libertarian uh, names at this event. And, Irina, who would you um, highlight as some of the people that are going to be attending here? Okay, well, the biggest highlight is John Stossel the co-anchor of ABC's 2020. Uh, he's going to be our Saturday evening keynote speaker. Dinner is going to start at 6.30. He's going to start speaking at 7.30. Friday night, we're going to have Michael Badmerick. That's the, he's the 2004 Libertarian Party presidential candidate. He's also an author of Good to be King, the Foundation of Our Constitutional Freedom. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be keynote dinner on Friday night, again, starting at 6.30, and he's going to start speaking around 7.30. So those are our highlight speakers. But in addition to these, we have really other speakers that, that are really great. We have Jim Babka, president of Downsize DC Foundation. We love Jim Jack- Babka. I'm sorry, go ahead. I interrupted you. <laughs> then uh, Jack Cole, uh, executive director of LEAP which is Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Two people that Down I personally for- am looking uh, very much forward to uh, to meeting and I know you could just go down the, the list of people here. I'm looking at it as well. Sharon Harris, the president of the Advocates for Self-Government. There's a gentleman from the Cato Institute. Um, some some uh, tax freedom folks are going to be there. Rob Campia from the Marijuana Policy Project. Bill Westmiller from the Republican Liberty Caucus. Many of these people we've had on the air here on Free Talk Live and have had the opportunity to interview them over the phone, so I'm hoping we're going to be able to maybe grab a few of them while we're there and actually get them to appear on the show. Quick question about John Stossel, Irina. Has he ever appeared at any other liberty-oriented event? Irina? I know that he has not appeared on anything, uh, not no Free State Project-sponsored event. And to be honest, I am not sure if he has spoken at Freedom Fest or other uh, programs. But I, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I know he's he's definitely yeah. not spoken at any Libertarian Party events or anything like that. 
So I, I, he seems to be a pretty tough guy to get a hold of. So I think it's awesome that you guys were able to actually get him scheduled because I imagine he's a pretty busy dude. Uh, but nonetheless, I presume some people are going to have the opportunity to actually go up and shake hands and, and meet uh, meet John maybe after his speech is over. I would hope so. I think so, yes. He's also going to be signing books. Oh, excellent. Um, so so we, I think there will be an opportunity to meet him for sure. His speech is called uh, Enemies of Liberty. That's So I think it's going to be very exciting. Yes, and uh, so we're looking forward to seeing his speech. Unfortunately, we're going to be doing our show, so we won't be able to see it. I don't know if anybody's going to be able to videotape it or something, because I'm still interested to hear what he has to say. Um, but also, there's going to be some really cool panels going on as well. And before we get into those, what's the general purpose behind the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, Irina? And why would somebody, uh, someone outside of New Hampshire be interested in attending this? Um, what we're going to be talking about is how can we make New Hampshire more liberty-friendly. So this is really for anybody who's interested in making New Hampshire a more freer state. Uh, we're expecting a lot of free staters, both from in-state and out-of-state, and we're also expecting many liberty-minded New Hampshire residents. And, and, and we want these people to mingle because we are all, all for the same objective, making New Hampshire a freer state. I'm thinking what you might also see, I don't know what the majority is going to be, but I think you're going to see a good chunk of people that are maybe just curious about the, uh, the Free State Project, maybe some people exploring the idea of becoming a Free State Project member who are going to be showing up and uh, just to kind of get a vibe, just to feel what's going on, because this really is going to be the best way that you can sort of plug in and feel what it's like to be amongst other people that actually believe the same way as you. It's one thing if you've been to your Libertarian Party meeting or been to the meeting of a local um, tax freedom group and been around five other people. It's a whole other thing when there's 50, 100, 150 people in the same area that think the way you do. You know, if, if you're thinking about it, this is the time to make the investment and come up and, and check out the Liberty Forum. Why now? Well, because you're going to have a chance to meet all these – all the all the uh, uh, free staters are going to be in one place, and you're going to get a chance to talk to them, see what their experiences are like. You're also going to get to see John Stossel, and that's going to be a huge draw. And, you know, if you've been thinking about it, now's the opportunity. And And speaking of the opportunity – Whenever you see these conventions, whether it be an industry convention or some sort of a political convention, there's usually a pretty hefty price tag involved. You're usually looking at three hundred, four hundred dollars for a weekend, and that doesn't even include airfare or anything else. That's just to get into the convention, which is why I'm actually pretty impressed, Irina, with what you're charging for this. What's it going to cost uh, for an individual to get into this event? Okay, so it's ninety-nine dollars for a three-day pass. And then there's additional for uh, the keynote dinners, $60 Stossel, $40 Fred Merrick. So that's a total of $200. But if you're going to be signing up for the three-day pass and getting both keynote, you will get 10% discount. So the whole deal will be for $179. So that's pretty good. Uh, for less than 200 bucks, you get the, the, the speeches, you get the, the dinners. Now you can go with a three-day pass for, 100, for 99 bucks. That, ex- that doesn't get you into the two dinners and the, the, the two keynote speeches, but that gets you into everything else. So all of the other speakers that are going to be there, Sharon Harris, Jim Babka, all the rest of them, Jack Cole from Leap, there are uh, different panels as well that are going to be going on. And what are some of the, the, uh, the panels that you're most excited about, Irina? I think the taxpayer activism panel is going to be quite exciting. Um, we're going to have the uh, Coalition of New, uh, New Hampshire Taxpayers there, as well as Merrimack Cares. 
uh, to fantastic organizations here uh, that are very active and very well known at the State House. Uh, we're going to have education panel where we have also invited uh, the president of the uh, Alliance for the Separation of School and State, so he's going to be there. Uh, second Amendment panel, so gun owners of New Hampshire, um, a pro-gun. We're going to have also a, um, a New Hampshire um, uh, state representative there. And that's another thing I wanted to add. We're, we are expecting many representatives and senators from the from New Hampshire to be at this uh, at, at this forum. Great. Uh, we are we are really you know I think the free staters and also you know liberty minded people are really well known in in the state house. So I think as you said, anybody who's thinking about getting more involved, this is such a great forum to come. You can really listen and see what's going on and realize that we're really a, a force to be dealt with. Yeah, there's really and, something and, happening here in the state of New Hampshire, and the Free State Project is, is making it happen. Of course, the Free State Project is behind this whole event, and I think that it's going to be really interesting to have some of the more political guys there. Like you were saying, the state representatives going to be attending. That's going to be good for them because that's going to reinvigorate them to, to be more principled, to understand that this is a growing, burgeoning movement uh, full of people that really care about liberty and that as we become more, uh, as liberty becomes more popular again in the state of New Hampshire, they're either going to have to get with the program and stay, stay true to principle or they might get voted out for somebody who's more pro-liberty. So I think it's going to send a good message, a nice positive message to the politicians that are just looking for a parade to run out in front of. And, Irina, we're really excited about being in attendance and if anything else breaks, I know you're working on some last-minute guests I'm sure you're going to let us know, and we can break the news here on Free Talk Live, right? That's right. There's, there's, I have a couple things in the pipeline. I can tell you. Hush, yes, hush for now. Are, Thanks but... for the time. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> and more Free Talk Live is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 1-800-259-9231. That's the packet8.net toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features, we give them away, the archives included. That's right. An entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of our website for your downloaded convenience at freetalklive.com. Well, we spent the first segment of the show with Arena Goddard, the uh, the promoter, the organizer, the lady behind. the uh, She's setting up the entire event, the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, and we've been talking a lot about it here on Free Talk Live. I thought it was important to have her on the air to actually get sort of the inside scoop on what's going on. And i got to say, she mentioned at the end that she was working on some surprises like some last-minute sort of announcements, you're going to definitely want to be. I mean, if, if any of these things come through, you're definitely going to want to be at this event. I mean, as though, as though it weren't good enough, as though the draws weren't uh, enticing enough, I think they currently are. I think John Stossel's going to be awesome. Jim Babka and the rest of those guys, really a great group of people that I'm looking forward to meeting. But um, there's some big there's some big news that's possibly going to occur. Well, I'll, I, she, I was talking to her the other day. Um, personally, we went to a, an event, mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, she she told me about a, uh, a sort of a celebrity grudge match that's going on. Uh, it's really? Gonna be, there's going to be a debate, um, and, uh, perhaps, uh, hmm. in all likelihood. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I really want to be there for that. Wow, that I, sounds neat. All celebrity I can do is tease it. Debate, huh? all, all I can do is tease it. All right. Uh, all right, so 800-259-9231. The one thing we didn't mention enough during that first segment was how you can get registered. We talked all about the event. But we didn't tell you that you can go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum to learn more and to get registered for the event. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. You're not going to want to miss this. I mean, it's a great opportunity to meet those pro-liberty individuals you've heard on this show. 
A number of the speakers appeared right here on Free Talk Live. You get to meet us as well. I don't know if that's a big draw, but we're going to be there. And uh, I know that some people are excited about that, and I appreciate that. Our number is 800-259-9231. All right, so let's go to the email box, Mark. And what do you have for us? Well, um, I think it was earlier this week or last week we discussed a uh, an email on the air. And uh, it was from a, a guy who was a self-described conservative and that he, uh, you know, advocated for smaller government, but he didn't want the government so small that they would legalize drugs. Yeah, he, it, like a lot of conservatives, he hasn't quite gotten the drug issue yet. Mm-hmm. And when we read the email, I expected he was going to go into some of his objections as to ending the war on drugs, and he never did. So I'm hoping he does in this one. He does. Um, he, he says, in reference to our discussion concerning the drug thing, as an advocate for smaller government and freedom, he labels himself a, an advocate for smaller okay. government and freedom, we must consider that a sudden release of freedom to, um, to do as we please, as long as it doesn't hurt another, will have a direct impact on the safety and well-being of the general population. Okay. Albeit in the short term, the newness of the freedom to consume drugs would be detrimental to society and the loss of life would be significant. Nah, not really. Um, well, what makes you say that? Well, I mean, who's what, what's going to happen? I mean, how's a bunch of life going to be lost? Well, I would what's think... the suggestion there? That people are going to overdose? Uh, first off, most of the drugs that uh, people are arrested for, I can't say the ones that they're doing, but, I, but it's, it stands to reason, most of the ones that people are arrested for is marijuana, by and large. Absolutely. In fact, uh, there's about 1.5 million people that were arrested for drug possession mm-hmm. in 2005, and half of them More were just over, just just over, over half. half were marijuana possession. That's correct. The rest of the drugs were the other half. That's correct. Right. And that's all of them right. combined. And marijuana is not going to kill you. You can't overdose on marijuana. And it is not physically possible. People aren't going to smoke marijuana, run amok in the streets, uh, wielding swords and uh, hacking the heads off of other people. doesn't happen. It's, it's unlikely that anyone except for a PCP user w- it would do something like that. I, and uh, it, it, where's PCP today? I mean, nobody I, I don't uses know. I've PCP. Never, I haven't seen a PCP story, and I can't tell you how long. I probably could search for it on the Internet and find something. Right, but. and you have to remember that if you want to be realistic... Um, well, I don't know what our emailer's name is. His name's uh, Dennis. Dennis. Dennis, there are people today who are using these drugs. Absolutely. They're using meth. They're using crack. They're using the dangerous, nasty drugs. And they're dangerous and uh, bad for these individuals today. If they were legal, then they'd be able to get purer, cleaner versions of them. You'd have less overdoses than you currently do today. So I don't know what he means when he's talking about uh, deaths. Yeah, de- um, I, I don't either. I, I would Maybe say that... he means car accidents or something like that. But again, you've got plenty of people out there driving drunk, plenty of people already out there driving on crack and other drugs like that. Right now, today, and we're not talking about making it legal for you to drive dangerously. We're just talking about it making it legal to have and possess and use drugs. So he makes a point. Consider driving 55 miles per hour. When this was the law of the land, persons then drove 60 or 65 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Yes, people do break laws. Now, the speed limits are higher with the limits of the roads based on state laws and the road capacity to handle uh, the speed of traffic. With that said, persons can now drive 75 miles an hour in um, such locations as Oklahoma and Nevada. Most, I, I know that 70 miles an hour is pretty common on the interstate. Okay. And uh, driving on I-44 through Oklahoma, um, you can see the people easily driving 80 and 90 miles an hour. Sure. Therefore, once laws are relaxed, human nature drives um, persons to press the envelope of the law. 
reviewing statistics related to the change over 55 miles per hour to the related um, road condition-specific speed limits in which we see the sudden relaxing of laws caused an increase in mortality. I believe that there are less accidents overall, but the accidents that did occur were are more fatal. Worse because you're going faster. Right. Yes, that's true. Now, um, and he says that he's not an advocate for sp- lower speed limits, but then again, why not? I why mean, not if, if you're well, if, if he's an advocate for saving lives and making oh, people safe, then doing the best for the majority. Why not? Uh-huh. Um, and, and then why have the speed limit at 55? Why not at 40? Why not why at not 25? 25? Yeah. Why Don't not do away safe. with cars entirely? Right. I mean, it more no, nobody will die in a car wreck if cars are outlawed, right? Mm-hmm. Well, people will actually get in cars and drive, but still. Let's see. I believe this casualty can be correlated to a um, reduction in drug laws, the decriminalization. I do believe that we are spinning our wheels on the drug war and that we as a society are responsible for the impact we have not achieved. It's clear he hasn't done any research on this uh, because if you actually go over and look at the statistics from the Netherlands, it does show that there's, there was a slight spike after they legalized uh, marijuana as they have mm-hmm. to the extent that they have. There was a slight usage spike, but then after that spike, the usage rate went down below the place where it was when it was illegal, uh, and it stayed down. No, I thought the usage rate was um, usage of um, high schoolers. Amongst all users. And the hmm. high schoolers went down, too. So it spiked up a little bit and then went down below its previous levels. Well, I would also like to point out that um, you know the, the speed limits are 70 and 75 here in the United States now. But um, in Germany, and as a matter of fact, in states like uh, Montana, there used to be no speed limit in Montana. Mm-hmm. I was there when there was no daytime speed limit, period. And what were the fatalities like there? Well, I can tell you, they're very similar to our interstates because people drive on the Autobahn in Germany at about 80 or 90 miles an hour because that's their threshold. They do really do at some point stop. If you put the sure. speed limit at 150 on the interstate, I swear, somebody might do it. But most people are not going to drive 150. I think I was reading on, uh, I think it was uh, the Wikipedia article about speed limits, and it was pointing out that I guess um, in some states they looked at the 75-mile-an-hour speed limit and they found that most people really sort of topped out around there, maybe going slightly, uh, just a little bit faster than that. But uh, there were actually a number of people that went a little bit slower uh, than than the 75-mile-an-hour limit. So I think you're right about that. But I don't really want to focus on speed limits too much. I want to focus on the inaccuracies of what this guy's talking about when it comes to the war on Well, he was relating them, and I just, you know, if there's a relation, I want to make it clear that people have their own thresholds. The statistics show that the usage rates go down, and not just in the Netherlands, but uh, you're also starting to see it out in California as well. But even if it went up, it wouldn't matter to me. And I'll explain why when we come back. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. Should we end the war on drugs? It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, we can give them away, and that does include the Shrine of Female listeners. We've got dozens and dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us a validated photo, meaning that in the picture they're proving that they listen to the show. You can see what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine. Dot freetalklive.com. And do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? Well, SACL CAI does collections. 
And they do it in a whole new way. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. That's 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. Mark, you got an email in from uh, Dennis, I believe it is. That's correct. And uh, he's a conservative, as he describes himself, one who generally considers himself pro-liberty pro-freedom, but he just can't quite get over the whole let's legalize drugs aspect of freedom. Because if you're going to have true liberty and freedom, you have to allow people to transact business in the products and services that they would like to transact business in. And on the other side of that coin, they also should be able to um, put certain things in their body, should they like to, and not risk sitting in a jail cell as a result of it. And so he's outlining some of his objections to um, to legalizing drugs. And I wanted to address something, and that is that he's concerned that if we legalize drugs, there's going to be a huge usage spike that's going to result in people dying, presumably from overdoses and getting behind the wheels of cars and that sort of thing. Of course, people are dying. Jumping off of buildings, who knows? People are dying from overdoses today, and they're driving while high anyway, so all these things are happening now. But even if the usage statistics went up, it wouldn't be an argument against legalization. It happens to be that the usage statistics go down, like if you look at the statistics from the Netherlands, that's what happens. There's a small spike, and then it goes down below where it was before. That's the way it is, but even if it wasn't that way, even if usage went up by 10 or 20 percent, like a bunch of Americans decided, you know what? I've never had that crack stuff before, but now that it's legal, I'm going to go ahead and give it a try. Even if that happened, it wouldn't matter to me, and here's why, because the... Negative effects, whatever negative effects would come from that increase in usage, maybe they'd ruin their lives to some extent or get fired from their job or whatever, wouldn't have to, wouldn't affect my life. It would only affect their lives and what uh, their consequences were. For me, it wouldn't be a big deal because um, right now I'm in danger from the war on drugs. The war on drugs puts me and my friends and family members in danger because crackheads are out there on the streets right now looking for money for a fix. And they'll do pretty much anything to get it. They will break into homes. They will break into cars. They don't care. If they're too cracked out, they won't care if you're home. And they may not care enough if if they shoot you. Or harm you in some way in order to get money from you so they can go and uh, buy some uh, buy some crack. But if crack was legal, then it would be at, because of um, the war on drugs itself that drives the price up. It's really dangerous to sell drugs. Right. Um, you're likely to go to jail, so the price of drugs is artificially increased. So if drugs largely, were, if drugs were legal, even if another 10 or 20 percent of people decided to start smoking crack or uh, snorting meth or whatever it is that they do, um, they would do it. At home, for the most part, most drug users that I've ever met, and I've met a lot of them, um, just want to get high and sit around the house, for the most part. Sure, there are going to be exceptions to that rule, but at least they won't be out roving the streets, looking over to knock over convenience stores and harm others in order to get their fix. And there's also all the other deleterious effects of the war on drugs, wherein we mentioned the, during the last segment that they've arre- they arrest 1.5 million Americans a year for drug possession. 750,000, more than 750,000 of those people for marijuana possession alone. And all of these people are clogging the jails. They're clogging the court system. You wonder why it takes 12 months to get a trial taken care of. It's because the, uh, the courts are so backed up with drug cases. You know, They're if, letting murderers out. 
if they did, room. It, they absolutely are, and there's no doubt about it. And if they didn't have all these drug users clogging up the court system, then we wouldn't have this plea bargaining um, thing going on that uh, you know essentially lets violent criminals out early. It's just an insane system, and it needs to go away. And it's also an it's also an infringement upon liberty. So just from a principled basis, it needs to happen. Not to mention the money that's wasted, the billions of dollars, taxpayer dollars that could be spent, could be given back to the taxpayers. It's it's just pissed away, for lack of a better word, by these police departments. I know you've got more of the email, but I want to go to the phones. We've got to talk to uh, Gene in Oklahoma, listening on KGWA. Hey, Gene, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Gene in Oklahoma? Uh, Hi, guys. What's on your mind, Gene? I just wanted to say I I appreciate you bringing up this topic. Um, I've heard uh, heard you discuss it uh, before, but I tell you, even in a redneck state or a blue state like Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. uh, we realize in Oklahoma that we just cannot keep on building prisons, uh, which are uh, right now in a small state like Oklahoma are cost prohibitive, and uh, they're uh, realizing a more community programs like uh, you know drug treatment and and, uh, and more community oriented service and so forth. But I think the day is going to come, even in a state like Oklahoma, where we're going to have to realize that things like decriminalizing and legalizing may may be um, may be in the f- uh, near future in this state because it, it is just totally. Uh, uh, cost prohibitive. Uh, I think uh, in the state of Oklahoma, it's like twenty thousand dollars a pop per prisoner, and that, that's at a lot least. of bread in the state that's like per, Oklahoma. That's per year, and that's at minimum. I, there, there We've are other Cali- states where a, it's... a California um, uh, correctional officer called in and so- told us over eighty thousand dollars a well, year. That's there. California, I mean, but it a big is difference. there. But there's, th- th- believe Somewhere me, it doesn't cost four times as yeah. much. I would um, in Florida, I've heard numbers in, in excess of fifty. And I'm glad you brought that up, Gene. And also something else that I, I spaced out on another. Negative negative effect of the war on drugs think about this you know as well as i do that people are out there right now right now as we're doing this show doing drugs they're doing it and they don't care whether the drugs are legal or not it doesn't matter to them they're going to buy those drugs and right now because those drugs are illegal there's only one way they can get them and that's through the black market and the black market is uh, is a market that is run by murderers, by violent individuals, by gangsters, by people who are willing to flout the law for a tremendous profit. So the question is, uh, presumably, uh, people are going to continue to use drugs whether they're legal or not. So the question is, do you want them to buy their drugs from violent gangsters and enrich the mafia? Or do you want them to buy their drugs from the family corner store or Walmart or Kmart or someplace like that? I mean, it's really just a simple question. Hey, guys, one other thing I might uh, add, uh, let you in on. Um, uh, there was a time that the number one cash crop in Oklahoma was wheat. Not anymore. Well, that's not true anymore for the last 10 years. The number one cash crop in Oklahoma is marijuana, and that includes the wild marijuana in mm-hmm. this state. And uh, almost any given ranch or farm has wild marijuana growing on it in, in Oklahoma. And um, I, I wanted to ask uh, your comment on that, but I wanted to ask you guys, did you guys attend that big secession uh, conference, uh, the Second Vermont Republic? I, I hear that was quite interesting. I didn't, um, but we do have some people that are close to us here in uh, Keene, New Hampshire, that did attend the event, and they, uh, they actually videotaped it. Okay, thanks, guys. Hey, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free packet eight line for you. Uh, Mark, let's continue with uh, the email and uh, 
And Dennis's point? Yeah, Dennis continues. I, I am an advocate for the decriminalization of a small amount of user drugs. We should focus our efforts, what little efforts are being focused, on the suppliers, not the users. I do not nor plan on using these intoxicants that I'm discussing. However, I do presently use legal drugs such as caffeine, nicotine, and occasionally alcohol. Mm. Perhaps the government could tax the use of pot and reduce usage similar to the efforts to eliminate the use of nicotine um, that we've uh, also <laughs> have to, um, and we can also agree to disagree. Now, I'm not sure. Maybe it does um, reduce the usage of nicotine, but then the you know, taxes? what about the people? It, it may the overall usage, but what about the people that? Uh, you know, continue to buy the the cigarettes at five dollars a get, pack. They get burdened. Yeah, and their families suffer. That's right. They have less money to go, to spend and, on the important. And the government in life. doesn't use it for anything good anyway. No, it just they uses just it waste to it. Buy more propaganda and stuff. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Talking about one of my pet issues, and that is full drug legalization. We're not just talking about pot, ladies and gentlemen. This is full on. Legalization or decriminalization of every drug that's in Schedule 1, 2, or 3 with a DEA at the federal level, hopefully at the state level as well. Your thoughts, 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Packet 8. .net toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features. We give them away. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff at the Free Talk Live store. We've got Free Talk Live branded merchandise, like Free Talk Live hats and t-shirts. We've got classic archive DVD sets. We've got the Free Marketeer flag, bumper stickers, and more all there. Store. .freetalklive.com. In fact, if you go there, you'll learn how you can get a free Free Talk Live bumper sticker for the cost of a self-addressed stamped envelope. Uh, that, again, is store.freetalklive.com. As we go to the phones, to the fun, let's talk to Coffee in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. I got a DSL line. Congratulations. Hey. Thank you. I'm in the 20th century now. It's, it feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. It's you, cheaper than what I had. But, you'll uh, never go back, either. I mean, no, if you, if you ever go back, it feels like it's painful to, so to go back to that I the last dial-up holdout or what? <laughs> you, you might be. I'll have to check my statistics, see if anyone's di- uh, you actually taking advantage of the dial-up services we have anymore. Okay. Well, that might save you some money. I want to ask you a question about the Liberty Forum. It's an uh, 18-hour drive for me, mm. one way, and so I'm only going to be able to free up about four days because two of them are going to be driving. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking you to tip your hat on the uh, special things that are going on, but if uh, you were to recommend one day, Go to the forum, not to miss. Oh, boy. What day would that be? Hmm. That's a great question. Well, I would definitely not miss the Stossel Day. Right. That's Saturday. Yeah. And so it's uh, Fridays and Friday or Sunday that you'd have to miss? Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, I can come to any of the three days. It's just, I, want to, I want to drive the state on one day. Right. And I want to go to the forum on the other day, and then the other two days have to be driving time. I'm not the organizer, so I don't know what the plans are as far as the special features. I don't know what day they're planning them at all. Uh, Maybe you want to shoot an email to Irina Goddard. Her email address is on the Free State Project uh, Liberty Forum website. She might be able to hint a little bit better. Um, But I don't think you're going to be disappointed either day, whether it's Friday or Saturday. Though I'll agree with Mark. I think Saturday's probably going to be the bigger of the the two days. Looking forward to meeting you guys. Awesome. Coffee, anything else on your mind? No, that'll do it. Thanks as always. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to George on the amplifier line calling from D.C. George, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind, sir? 
Uh, one of the biggest eminent domain blunders of the, in history, as far as I can tell. Really? Here with St. Louis. Yeah, get this. Um, this article came in from USA Today about uh, back on the 9th, and reading how um, St. Louis, back in 9 took about 6,000 people's homes just to build a new runway at their um, Lambert Field. 6,000 homes? 6,000 people lost their homes, yeah. 6,000 people, okay. That's a yeah. lot of homes for a runway. Yeah, and get this. The, um, the traffic um, between 99 and now is like 50% half, less than half of what it is um, back in 99 because TWA, which used to be the dominant airline, when and um, when the American Airlines bought them up, they just cut all back. And so not only that, not only did they lose traffic, but that new runway that they kicked all those people out of their homes for is like the furthest from the terminal, and several airlines flat out refuse to use it unless it's an emergency. Wow! So this so it's just it, it's just like an extra runway that they kick six thousand um, people out of their homes for. Yeah, it cost uh. them over a billion dollars too, like one point one billion dollars. That's an expensive runway. And get this, yeah, and get this. They even built um, a, a civilian airport called Mid America, which is like right across the river, like. 25 minutes from downtown St. Louis, mm-hmm. they only spent $315 million for a brand-new terminal and a new runway for this airport. You know, compare that with $1.1 billion for just one runway. But wait a minute. Who, wait. To, Did you say that the other airport, the, the cheaper airport, was done on a private basis, or was that also a government uh, airport? Uh, well, um, it's, also, it's basically also part of an Air Force base that's there. Mm. So they just decided to um, add, you know, make it also a... Um, public airport for airlines. I was going to say, I mean, I, I'm not an engineer. I don't know how to build airports. But for a billion dollars, I'll figure out how to build an airport, and I'll do it for half the price. I mean, yeah, a billion was, dollars? $1.1 billion for just a runway at the Lambert Field, the main one. Amazing. But they only spent, get this, um, in Illinois, right across the river, down from St. Louis here, they only spent $315 million, and not only did they get a new runway, but a full two-story terminal, but the <laughs> waste of that money is only one airline uses it. Somebody uh, somebody with some political connections got a sweet, sweet deal out of that $1 billion, yep. that's for sure. George, thanks for the call, man. We appreciate hearing from you as always. TSA George with us there from D.C. You know, that's what happens when you give politicians money to spend. Yeah, it's they not They give their it money. to their friends. It's not their money, so they don't care. Yep. They don't care how well uh, spent it is. They just uh, just blow it. 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you to John in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello there. Hey, John. What's on your mind? Hey, um, I was uh, in attendance at a tax trial here in New Hampshire, not a New Hampshire court, but a federal court. Mm-hmm. And uh, things went horribly bad on Thursday. What? And possibly even worse on Friday. Okay, what happened? Are we talking about the uh, the Browns? Brown case. Okay, these are two. Just a little bit of uh, just a bit of a recap. Ed and Elaine Brown. Elaine is a dentist. Uh, just a nice, nice older couple, I guess, in their sixties, early sixties, and uh, they just hadn't been paying income tax for a while. They'd sent a few letters to the IRS to uh, let them know, to ask them for a reply on uh, what they thought about the situation. Twelve years, the IRS never bothered to write them back. And now they're being brought up on charges. What did uh, what happened Thursday? Well, what happened is uh, the judge uh, made it pretty clear that he's not going to allow the Browns to proceed with their 
the base of their defense, which is that they have a sincere belief that they're not allowed, uh, not required. They're outside the jurisdiction of the uh, IRS. And part of that is that the judge is um, allowing the Browns and the jury maybe a little tiny bit of wiggle room on the tax evasion. But I, I think from what I've witnessed that the uh, intention is that if there's any wiggle room there, they're going to come down on them like a ton of bricks on what's called structuring and conspiracy charges. Mm. And what happened on Thursday afternoon, things were going along pretty badly to begin with, and the uh, the judge actually um, kind of, in my opinion, I would use the word coached the prosecutor that drop aiding and abetting charges and suggested that they both be charged with structuring. I thought it was really, really weird that the judge would do what I consider to be coaching of the prosecutor. If anything, he should be a referee in that courtroom, not a coach. Well, they As all get they, paid by the same guy, John. Wasn't that's right. There... At, the, at the end of the day, they had a witness on the stand, and I believe it was a lady from the post office who had drawn up these charts, and they had big charts that they put in front of the jury and invited the Browns to move over to the side of the court so that they, that they could see them. But they had other business they were attending to on the table, and the prosecutor began to actually instruct or invite the witness to come down from her seat and take a sharpie marker and actually start marking on what is previously admitted evidence and i thought this is crazy this is admitted evidence what are they doing altering evidence hmm. and this was allowed to happen i also then, heard something about the judge uh, essentially telling the browns that uh, you had started the call by saying that they aren't allowed to bring up their particular defense, but as I recall, the judge also did something outrageous, and I'm digging through my show prep here, trying to see if I can. Uh, well, as you, can as pull you're that doing up. that, let me let me tell you, the the the, the, the witness from the post office, um, she may have been IRS, but whatever it was, she's a she's a hostile witness to the Browns, mm -hmm. and he the prosecutor encouraged her to make a line on this chart, and she did. And when he ever said to write the word conspiracy over that, I'm thinking, this is evidence that they're altering, that they're going to bring into the jury room later when they're deliberating, and he's actually trying to alter this. That woman, who is hostile to the Browns, actually looked stunned that he would even be asking her to do it, and she hesitated and handed the shopee to him, and she said, I write really small. He proceeded to write conspiracy, which I saw on Friday morning on that chat. I had mentioned it to the Browns after court. I'm not, I don't know them personally. I handed a note to them because I was making notes in the courtroom. And I, my, my thinking is that they were going to challenge that first thing Friday morning. But after they get the seeing that it's going so horribly, horribly bad, we're now actually seeing things in the paper. Uh, there were rumors on the Internet that they're not going to attend they're, they're just saying they can't get a fair trial, and they may not be going. Right. Uh, what I have um, here, according to the information I've got on this, uh, the rumors that you're talking about, is allegedly from a friend of these people, uh, William Miller, allegedly a U.S. Constitution Ranger, also somebody in the same sort of uh, militia club as uh, as the Browns here. And he's basically saying that he believes the Browns, from what he's spoken with them, they've uh, they've determined that the judge wants to lock them in the clink, and they don't want to go to jail. They've made a deal. They've tried to make a deal with the IRS to pay the $626,000 that the, it's not the, gonna happen. the IRS it's not gonna wants. not going to happen. The government wants to crush these people. They want to put fear into all of us. 
and uh, Dave Ridley and I went and, and we actually made the front page of the Concord Monitor. We were just doing uh, what is... Uh, John, we're out of time for this hour, my man. We'll follow this up next hour. More on the way on the Brown Trial. This is your show, Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Here is... A mess of brewing here in New Hampshire. We're going to give you some more details on that on the way. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live, the Saturday edition. Ian here with you. And Mark. The toll-free number for you to take control of the airwaves is 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally for free. That is, once again, freetalklive.com. In the last hour, we had John from New Hampshire call in and bring up the, the, the case that he's actually been attending the trial of, the Browns. Ed and Elaine Brown, there are two people in their probably early 60s who are now being brought up on charges by the federal government uh, for allegedly dodging taxes. And there's been an interesting development in the story that I stumbled across last night that one of our, uh, one of our people emailed to us essentially suggesting that there may be an armed standoff brewing here in the state of New Hampshire over this trial. Because what's been going on is they've been at trial all week in, uh, in Concord in federal court on these tax evasion charges. Essentially, like many government trials, it's been fairly rigged from what I've, uh, from what I've been told. I guess the judge has been allowing them to some extent to um, enter in their opinions into the trial from what I have read so far, but he's also playing his side, uh, the, the government's side, and that is protecting the government and deeming that the tax law is constitutional right there in the courtroom and telling the jurors that they need to judge the law, they need to judge whether or not he broke the law, not the law itself. And of course, in this case, the, the Browns would like to have the jurors, uh, the jurors judge the law itself, but of course they're not, they're not going to be allowed to, to take that tact in their case. And I could read from the uh, the Rumor Mill News article that I found from one of their uh, one of their friends who claims to have called them. He claims to have contacted Ed Brown at his home, and basically his suggestion is that the Browns feel like the since the judge wants them to go to jail, like he's pushing for a jail sentence for guilt, guilt getting guilty sentences on all counts. In this case, is going to going to put them in jail for decades, and they're in their sixties. Yeah, life sentences. And so they've offered apparently some sort of a deal to the IRS in order to remain free of jail. They'll pay the IRS in a certain arrangement, $626,000, though it's expected that the IRS isn't going to take that deal, that they are going to push for the jail sentence in order to make an example out of these friendly old people. And so now the suggestion is, and this isn't from the Browns themselves, but it's from one of their friends, the suggestion is that they may actually essentially um, have a standoff at their house, hmm. like a la Ruby Ridge, Waco, that sort of thing. Come in and get us, coppers. Yeah. Oh, they don't want to go to jail. Hmm. And they never hurt anybody. They just didn't pay taxes. And, of course, their contention, like many Americans' contention, is that the tax law doesn't apply to them. As uh, And and I happen to agree with uh, with them on this. And really, um, you know, if, if it came down to a – you know, they wrote the IRS – Letter after letter after letter contending that they didn't owe them taxes. The IRS never wrote them back. 
Now, so much for the IRS being the Internal Revenue Service well, and serving the article, American people. Now, in another article, the IRS does claim that they tried to get in touch with the Browns. The well, IRS they've claimed, lived in the same place for the whole time. They claim, the, they, the IRS claims that they refused a certified letter uh, from the IRS in order to set up a meeting. But, you know, that's just what they say. Let's go to the uh, the Concord Monitor for the latest on the case. This uh, article came out today. The federal tax evasion trial of Ed and Elaine Brown suffered an interruption yesterday when the couple failed to appear in U.S. District Court in Concord. Ed Brown, who described the proceedings as a kangaroo court in a telephone, in, uh, telephone interview yesterday, said he's been disappointed with the judge's management of the case and doesn't intend to return. What's the point, he said. You saw what happened on Thursday. The Browns, who live in Plainfield, New Hampshire, are charged with conspiring to evade their income taxes, conspiring to disguise large financial transactions, and disguising large financial transactions. Elaine Brown, who earned most of the couple's income as a dentist, real bad lady, right, uh, is also charged with multiple counts of tax evasion and failing to collect employment taxes from the workers at her dental practice. Well, wait, apparently it's illegal to not withhold from your employees? You can't just allow your employees to take the responsibility upon themselves to pay. Maybe the IRS is concerned that without good little um, slave business owners to to take money out of people's paychecks, that people might not pay their taxes. Is that what their concern is? Because that's what it seems to be. Yesterday, Ed Brown said he was negotiating with court officials by offering to pay the estimated $625,000 in back taxes that the IRS officials say he and his wife owe in exchange for ending the trial. And I, I'm going to go on here in a moment, but how exactly was the obligation created? Can somebody out there explain to me 1-800-259-9231 is the toll-free number if it's true that Ed Brown and his wife and everyone else in America owes the government money? How was the obligation to pay created? Well, um, let, let's see. It's a voluntary, generally an obligation to pay is a voluntary action. Um, I either sign a contract or uh, buy something at a store, and then I'm obligated to pay for that thing that I've voluntarily uh, taken on. Okay. But the government sort of... Where was the voluntary action ...told me that I had to pay because, right. you know, they've, they've paved the roads and they've built the government buildings and they have all these programs out there, so they told me I had to pay. And I guess... The voluntary action was the day I went to work. Mm. You know, I voluntarily got a job, and the government has its fingers and all these jobs out there. And mm-hmm. um, so maybe, but you know, that, that wasn't very explicit, though. No, I mean, it, it wasn't. A, it's an not agreement. very explicit, and it seems to violate the um, the whole concept of self ownership. Well, there's also in, in any contract between individuals, there has to be a meeting of the minds. There has to be a point at which. Yeah, I agree with you with what you're asking me to do here, Mark. Let's okay. I agree. You agree. All right, we're in, we're in on this. Let's go ahead. We're going to write this down. We're going to sign it. Okay. Now we've got ourselves a contract. There's a certain process that you have to go through. In this case, you can't make the claim that an obligation was created by the fact that you got a job, because there's no way to get a job without having the government, as you say, putting their fingers into it. There's no way to get a job outside of the system without having the government jump down your throat for violating one of their silly little laws. So uh, there wasn't a meeting of the minds. There was a desire for me, to, or the, the Browns in this case, to make money and have a nice life for themselves. That's why, they wanted to, that's why you get a job, because you want to pay the bills. You want to enjoy your life. You don't get a job so you can pay the government money for the rest of your life. There's no obligation there at all. No, I, 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 I was just trying to come up with the best explanation I possibly yeah. could. There is no explanation for this. The explanation beyond the fact that this is just an armed group of people making demands on innocent folks. 
And that, those innocent folks include you, not just the Browns. They just haven't gone after you yet. Unless they have, in which case I'd like to hear your story at 800-259-9231. But if you can explain to me how the obligation to pay the IRS 30% or 15% or whatever your, your percentage is of your income was created, I would really love to hear it. Back to Ed Brown. He says, I'm willing to pay the full amount of money if they would just go away, he said. But that's unlikely to happen, according to the Monitor. The Browns are charged with criminal offenses. And if they're convicted, the punishments would go beyond repayment. If they received the maximum penalties on all of their charges, each of the Browns would face decades in prison. You know, and they would also force, uh, face forfeiture of their house because their mortgage was paid with postal money orders that the government alleges were purchased in an illegal manner. How do you illegally purchase post- postal money orders? You purchase, them, uh, you purchase too many of them over too large of an amount. Well, then why did they sell them to them? Well, because um, they shouldn't sell the government them. go to jail for selling them these illegal postal money orders? They sell the money orders and they hope that you buy the wrong ones so they can bring you up on charges. Uh, apparently, they do. You know, how much different is the government in this instance from the gangster in the '30s that would walk into a shop owner's business and say, "Hey, you got a nice shop here. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of crazy things out there that could happen. And how about you pay me to protect you?" Huh? How you about pay no? Me and I won't. You know, nothing bad will happen to you. Pretty little shop here. Yeah. I mean, really, how much different much. is the government? The government's just it's bigger. The biggest group yeah. of gangsters. And if you work for them, you ought to be ashamed of yourself you really for propagating this. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Please explain to me how the obligation to there's pay probably, taxes is created. There's probably some people out there that work for the government that are trying to, uh, you know, propagate freedom. But man. Most of them, just cogs in the wheel. Let's talk to Ray in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Ray. Ray in Illinois. Ray in Illinois going once. We'll put him back on hold. Maybe he'll uh, come back alive during uh, this year. 800-259-9231. More about the Brown case on the way. Just a couple nice old folks being brought up on charges, possibly facing decades in prison, all for wanting to keep the money they earned. Can you imagine that? This is your show. It's Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Where's the obligation created to pay taxes? This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. The live Saturday edition, Ian here with you. And Mark. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the packet8.net toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, we give them away. And that does include archives and the wiki and updates. You get signed up, we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Get on the updates list over at updates.freetalklive.com. That is updates.freetalklive.com. And what's your liberty issue? Well, maybe it's taxes, like we're talking about this hour. Register now for the February 2007. New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Speakers are to include Christopher Gronsky, the New Hampshire coordinator for the We the People Congress and a taxpayer activism panel. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. For more information and to get registered, that's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. We're talking about a case happening in New Hampshire. It is the trial of Ed and Elaine Brown. There are a couple of uh, people in there, I would say early 60s. Um, Elaine is a, uh, apparently a pretty popular dentist in Plainfield, New Hampshire, where she resides. And uh, apparently they decided that, can you imagine this? The money they earned was their own and that they don't owe it to anybody that they haven't specifically contracted to pay to. And so they decided to keep the money that they earned. Well, now the federal government is bringing down conspiracy charges, uh, tax evasion charges. And by the way, you'd ask the question about the, the money orders because it was mentioned earlier. 
that they were going to the post office to purchase money orders mm-hmm. and they violated the law in their purchasing of the money orders? Well, here's the details on uh, on what happened there. Several different, also from a uh, different Concord Monitor article. Several postal employees testified about the Browns' habit of purchasing multiple postal money orders. Federal law requires purchasers of more than three thousand dollars to fill out a form notifying the government about the transaction. The fo- uh, the Browns are accused of structuring or making multiple purchases just below the three thousand dollar limit to evade the reporting requirements. I mean, you didn't know about structuring, Mark? How could you possibly... Uh, haven't you read all of the federal laws on the books? You should know these things. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Never heard of it. According to the postal agents, the Browns would frequently wait online at the post office together and each purchase $2,800 in money orders. Patricia Rebello, a postal investigator who described the pattern of purchases, says the couple purchased more than $300,000 in money orders this way over a two-year period. All of the money orders, she said, went toward paying the couple's mortgages. According to Rebello and John Hickey, another postal investigator who testified... What's wrong with that, though? It's against the law. Why is it against the law to purchase money orders to pay your mortgage? Um, because of money laundering laws. Because huh. they are trying to stop money launderers. That just doesn't make any sense, though. I mean, why is it... it, it I can't pay my mortgage in money orders? I've paid my mortgage in money orders mm-hmm. before. No, no, you can pay your mortgage in money orders. You just can't buy more than uh, you can't you can't buy similar amounts in a specific period of time. So I can't go in today. I can, I can go in today and purchase uh, twenty eight hundred dollars in money orders. But if I come in tomorrow and purchase another twenty eight hundred, and come in the next day and purchase another twenty eight hundred, then some red flags are going to go off. I'm going to get uh, flagged for structuring my um, purchases, hmm. and it's. I guess it's evidence that you're trying to launder some money. That's the suggestion. And so a uh, postal investigator who testified structuring offenses commonly go... Shouldn't they just outlaw money laundering? That's what they're trying to do. But stru- what, what is this structuring thing? This is, you could be la- laundering money. It doesn't sound to me like they were laundering any money. They earned their money in a business. It's it's. I don't agree with the laws, Mark. I'm just telling you what they are. just doesn't make any sense. We're I'm just confused. trying to save the world from the drug dealers. We're just trying but these to people them. aren't drug dealers. Well, that's why the money laundering charges were. I mean, the, that's why the money laundering laws were brought about in the first place, weren't they? For yeah, the most part. I, yes. Yeah. Then, then why are they being used on these people? Because well, they're tax dodgers. We're trying to save the world from them too. I mean, <sighs> what would happen if people kept the money they earned, Mark? And the roads would fall apart, and all kinds of other terrible things would occur, wouldn't it? Uh, well, if people wanted to get from one place to um to another, I imagine they'd figure out something. The government's final witness was on the stand as court closed yesterday, and the Browns will begin their their defense early tomorrow. But uh, this was written a a day ago. I just wanted to explain the uh, postal situation because the Browns didn't show up in court yesterday. And rumor has it they're preparing for uh, a standoff at their house because they've made an offer to the government that said essentially, look, we'll pay you the money that you you want, the 600-something thousand dollars. Just don't put us in jail. But the government wants to put them in jail, Hmm. and they don't want to go. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens come Monday morning. And we'll keep you up to date here on Free Talk Live. We've got to go to the phones to the fun. Let's try Ray in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Mark. Ian. Hey, Ray. Hey. What's on your mind? Uh, just a little information uh, in reference to the drug war and the uh, tax uh, problem with the Browns there in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. First of all, um, I saw a case the other day. Um, the judge's name was Kuka, C-U-C-A. Okay. And the defendant, uh, his name was Whitey Harrell, W-H-I-T-E-Y. Okay, you don't need to spell it. What's What about it? 
Well, um, it was a federal case held here in the state of Illinois where he didn't file his taxes for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And the foreperson of the jury asked a simple question to the prosecuting attorney and the judge, and she asked a simple question, could you show me the law where it requires us to pay income tax on our Ooh, labor? How did she get on that jury? Uh, well, c- anyway, wow. the defendant won his case. Because the jury ruled not guilty because the judge and the prosecuting attorney and the IRS refused to show them the law. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. Uh, thanks for the story. We really appreciate hearing from you, sir. And I wonder how they even allowed that person on the jury. I can't imagine. Normally they do their best to keep people like that out of, out of juries. And uh, good. I'm glad that worked out for those guys. I don't think it's going to work out so well for the Browns in this case. Uh, and also, I want to know from you if you can explain to me how the obligation to pay taxes was created. Yet to hear an explanation on that one at 800-259-9231. Let's go to Peter. In Nope, Peter's gone. Let's try Richie in South Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, how you doing? Good, hey. Richie. What's on your mind? Um, I'm kind of a new listener. Okay. I found out about you from uh, Downsize D.C. Fantastic. And let's see. I would love to be on the jury <laughs> for tax evasion. Sure, uh, me too. It would be definitely hung if I was on it. But uh, I want to bring up something from a show a few nights past, too, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, on the uh, 9-11 conspiracy subject, mm-hmm. and I know you're getting tired of hearing about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been tired about it. <laughs> well, um, well, everybody, you know, can believe certain things just like um, – you said you couldn't believe that they could wire a building with uh, with explosives. Uh, not but, in a sh- the short period of time they had. Okay, and, well uh, we don't. Yeah, I, not oh, yeah, with you're two talking people. About during the shutdown, just right. during the shutdown period. But for me, okay, it's not what I believe; it's what I can't believe. Supposedly, they've been building these buildings for a hundred years, and ones never fell from a fire. And then on 9/11, three of them fell. Well, well those, that's an chances. allegation. Hold on. Now, that's an allegation made by the conspiracy theorists, and it's been effectively no, rebuffed. No, 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 no. Um, I watched the man that was, uh, I don't remember if he was from, I think he was with, with NIST. Mm-hmm. He was on TV, and they was talking about Building 7, and he told them, he said, since the buildings never fail, we cannot explain why Building 7 fail from, from you know, from fire. Yeah. Um, there have been plenty of rebuttals to that at 911myths.com, also loosechangeguide.com, plenty of uh, claims to the contrary. That's uh, the claim about buildings have never fallen from fire over the years. Been re- it's been rebutted, my friend. And, okay, cool. uh, and I invite you to go check out those websites and, I will. Uh, and, and learn I have, more. Could That's I ask you one more quick question? Real quick. Have you seen the story or anything about the USS Liberty? I don't know, but if you can it's email, the big boat. Um, Google email that. Us. Google USS Liberty. All right, we'll take that. We'll take a look at that. Thanks for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the toll free number. More on the way about money laundering. Got some tips for you. And this is your show. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just three dollars a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. We're live in the studio for this, the Saturday evening edition. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Once again, that number is 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, 
at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, including live streams. There's the broadband version of the show. There's dial-up versions as well, and we give it all away for you. freetalklive.com. Does your company have a bunch of unpaid receivables just sitting out there? Try SACL CAI. They do collections in a whole new way. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. They record every customer interaction, so you can check their work. Let SACL CAI handle any or all of your account's receivable needs. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support FTL. There's a uh, tragedy brewing here in New Hampshire. We've been talking about it uh, off and on throughout the hour here. And it has to do with a couple of uh, people in their early 60s, Ed and Elaine Brown. Uh, she's a dentist. He's retired. And they didn't pay taxes for the past decade or so. And now the federal government is coming after them with all sorts of charges, conspiracy charges among them, uh, tax evasion charges as well. There've been, uh, there's been a federal trial going on all week long, and they've been allowed to some extent to bring their views into the trial, but the judge essentially shut them down when they actually tried to question the law itself. He ruled on the bench that the law was constitutional. He instructed the jurors that the uh, the law is is constitutional and that they should only judge the facts in the case and not the law itself. So once again, the jury's uh, the jury is being completely excluded from the the true knowledge that they have the ability to nullify law, that they have the ability to nullify the case. And uh, once again, they're just being excluded from that, as we've seen with so many federal court trials. And it's so sad. I mean, the, the case itself, the fact that these people is being brought up on charges is a tragedy on its own. But it could get worse, Mark, because apparently the Browns didn't show up for their trial yesterday, mm. Friday. and That means it's going to get worse. According to the Concord Monitor, Ed Brown told them, what's the point? You saw what happened Thursday. He called it a kangaroo court. And he's right. The deck is stacked against people who are uh, essentially tax freedom advocates. And they know it. And so the Browns admitted that they haven't paid their income taxes since 1996. But they argue that they're under no legal obligation to pay, citing a number, a number of legal theories for which they say there's significant evidence. They had hoped to have been able to pres- uh, present such documentation as part of their defense. But U.S. District Court Judge Stephen McAuliffe made clear Thursday that he'll allow the Browns to show that they'd honestly held unlegal usual, uh, unusual legal views, but he will not allow them to try to persuade the jury of the accuracy of those ideas. He says, you're entitled to your view, but that's not the law. Right. Well, like, please. I mean, you're not allowed to present whatever defense you want? No, you're not. No, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me. Not in America, I'm accused sir. here. I should be able to present whatever defense I want. And if that leaves the jury with a reasonable doubt as to my um, guilt, then great. McAuliffe also gave the Browns a draft copy of the jury instructions he planned to deliver at the end of the trial. Reading those instructions, Ed Brown said, convinced him that McAuliffe would never let him present the kind of defense that he'd hoped for. And in those instructions, it's your typical jury instructions of you must judge the facts in the case, not the law itself. Which is a lie. 
Juries have the ability to judge the law. That's they, how prohibition got overturned here in the United right. States. They have the ability to just say no to the law itself, but judges and attorneys and everybody in the system does everything they can do to keep that knowledge out of the hands of jurors. And so that's one of the reasons why the Browns just decided to stay home on Friday. Yesterday was scheduled to be the first day for the Browns to present their defense. The government's final witness was expected to hear uh, to end her testimony in the morning. McAuliffe, the judge, decided to postpone the remainder of the trial until Tuesday. Since Monday's a federal holiday, he dismissed the jury just after noon. Quote, unfortunately, some difficulties prevent us from proceeding with the trial today, he wrote in a message to the jurors. His ruling means that the Browns will not be punished for their decision to not attend yesterday's session so long as they return. If they do not come to court on Tuesday, the judge will allow the trial to move on in their absence, which may mean the case will go to the jury without the Browns making their case. That's may bizarre. also be criminal penalties if the Browns don't return to court Tuesday. I'd say it's probably definite that oh, they're going to be some I'd penalties. say there's a pretty good chance. Both Browns signed contracts after their arraignment. That was a mistake. In May, in which they agreed to show up for their court hearings or face further penalties. The judge could issue a bench warrant for the Browns and have them arrested, and they could be detained for the duration of their trial and receive additional charges for contempt of court. They're already facing decades in prison. They're in their 60s. What's some more charges going to do? I, you know, the government's really backing these people into a corner, and you know it. It, it doesn't. It seems like a re, a situation that could turn really bad. That, I mean, and, essentially, you're telling them, look, either um, you come with us and die in prison, mm-hmm. or you stay here and fight us and die at home. I think they're going to choose the latter. At least that's what one of their friends is saying may actually occur. We may end up seeing a standoff here within the next few days here in New Hampshire, and of course we'll keep you up to date. But I've still yet to hear from anybody out there listening as to how it is that an obligation to pay taxes is created upon an individual. I'd really love an explanation of that. 1-800-259-9231. Certainly there are enough tax proponents out there listening that could explain this to me. Let's go to the phones. Maybe David in Florida listening on WFTL has the answer. David, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hi, how are you? Hey, hey. David, what's on your mind? Now, look, just on a, on a, on a realistic level, hmm. the government has an army. There are police, garbage pickup, firemen. Mm-hmm. People would be very in favor. Welfare, public health services, housing. There's no way for the government to pay for that and other things that are necessary without a tax. Well, uh, that, I think you're be... right. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, there's no way for the government to do those things, as there wouldn't be for us to do them um, without charging for it. Now, in but the I very think early... That... Now, hold on, please. Uh, please. In the early part of the of the U.S., there was only tariffs, and that was it. Mm-hmm. In it, When World War I started, the government instituted an income tax. I'm, pre- I'm thinking it's the 18th Amendment to the Constitution. And the government absolutely has the right to tax people. How does government get rights, sir? The, 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 that amendment was ratified by more than three quarters. Wait a minute. No, no, no. You're not answering my question. How does government, a collective group of people, get rights? I thought only individuals had rights. I thought God endowed no, them with no, rights. No, 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 no. It's a two-way street. The individual is responsible for society as well as the government is responsible for the individual. How is that responsibility and obligation created? 
if we want to have garbage pickup, if we want government Are you telling me that somebody can't... Hold on, wait, wait a second, wait a second. That's ridiculous. Are you telling me that somebody can't um, get paid to pick up garbage? Because here in New Hampshire, where I live, I have to pay somebody to come get garbage. They're a private individual. Government uh, doesn't need to pick up garbage. Garbage won't accrue in your house. I swear to God, we don't need these people. Well, it exists. In New York City, they have garbage pickup. Absolutely they do, because the government has a forced monopoly on it, and if you don't pay, they'll, they'll, they'll... um, enact some well, kind of punishment on Hawaii, you. Look, look in the, from, the, from the time in the beginning of, of human civilization, even the Hawaiian Islands, and there couldn't be probably more uh, idyllic setting than that, the king of the Hawaiian Islands had a tax. If you did well in your fishing career, you had to build some roads. And that was just the way society has Okay, so that, now hold on, David. Just a practical accounting, the practical accounting thing for a second. If someone because they don't have any money or because they're not sure what they're doing, doesn't file a tax return. And then the next year, they don't file because, they're, again, they're a little afraid, and so on. And it takes them maybe 10 years to catch up, mm-hmm. and then the IRS finds them. They don't go to jail. The IRS says, look, meet us in the office. Let's go figure out what the taxes are. You pay it. And we may even let you add it to penalties, but not the interest. If someone actually goes and says, there's no such thing as an income tax, and they're going to present that kind of an argument, then the IRS is going to make a case out of this, and they're going to prosecute them. Okay, look, David, I understand what the IRS does. We've seen them do these things time and time again. We've seen them bring people up on charges time and time again. But you really have yet to answer my question, and that is that... that Look, we vote as as a democracy. We vote for our congressmen, our senators, our presidents, and so on. We vote for the council people. Uh We vote for the state legislatures, we vote for them, and they have instituted an income tax. I see what you're saying. Now, David, I want to explore this more with you, and I really hope you'll hold, uh, hold on, because I want to bring you back for more of this, because you're a pretty knowledgeable guy, and uh, you're... And we're not a democracy. We're a republic. You're handling this fairly uh, calmly, and I really think this is an interesting topic that a lot of people are concerned about, and you seem to have some answers. So we're going to explore this whole tax thing, and how obligations are created, and how it is that voting can manage to force people to do things. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition. Your show. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, we give them away. But we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by voting for us. Head over to vote.freetalklive.com. Takes you less than a minute. You cast your vote for the show, and it helps keep us in the top ten podcasts of the world, of which I think we're currently ranked at the number three position. Thanks to those of you who have taken the time to go and vote for us at vote.freetalklive.com. If you've yet to do it this month, head over there and take care of it. It's uh, much appreciated by us. It makes a big difference because us being in the top ten means more new people finding the show and therefore finding the message of freedom and liberty. Vote.freetalklive.com. As we go back to David in Florida listening on WFTL. Thanks for hanging on, David, because we're talking about, at least I presume you're still there, David. Okay, great. Um, We're talking about taxes and I want to approach this from an, from an angle that people don't normally uh, uh, approach it from. And I don't know if you've quite gotten a, a grip on how it is I'm approaching this, because when I asked you how it is an obligation to pay taxes was created, your answer was essentially, well, it's always been that way. And that's well, here, I understand exactly what you're saying. And the, there is a two-way street with the, the, the society and the government. Right? Now, uh, in a monarchy, perhaps, it, it might be it's on a one-way street where the monarchy exists for its own benefit and the people exist for the benefit of the monarchy. 
In a democracy, at least we hope, whether it's Republican or Democrat, it doesn't make a difference. We hope it's a two-way street. The government is our representative, but at the same time, we have to give support to the government. Now, slow down for a second here. Now, wait a minute. How is it that the government is my representative? We vote for them. But what if I don't vote? Well, that's that's it. But you you don't have to vote if you don't want to. But But you have to obey the rules. Yeah, I don't want to drive through a red light any more than you want to drive through a red light. Of course you got to. Oh, so red lights are there to protect us. I get that. I mean, red lights make perfectly good sense, but it's um, it's the obligation that you're uh, you're you're insinuating here that I don't really understand well, entirely. Go, you live in you live in in, in North, uh, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. That's correct. In New Hampshire, there's no state income tax. There is real estate tax, and there is sales tax. There are no uh, sales right taxes now, in New Hampshire. There there are sales taxes in Florida. But not New Hampshire. There are sales tax, and there's real estate tax in Florida, and there's no income tax in Florida. Mm-hmm. I live in New York. There's income tax on almost everything you do. That's true. And sales tax and so on, and real estate tax. Government needs money. There's no issue. There's no question. If, if at any way it could be shown, and it can't be, but if it could be shown that, that the income tax amendment to the Constitution was done fraudulently, if it could be shown that states have no right to tax us, the legislatures and the various legislative states and local and, and federal would pass a law tomorrow. Now, if you don't like that... That's, that's absurd. Why, that's absurd to suggest that the government would go ahead and pass a law that would prevent it from, uh, from acquiring as much money as it can possibly no, no, uh, acquire. If, if it, no, no, you didn't hear me. If it could be shown by the Browns, Mm-hmm. And by any of the other proponents, that there is no such thing as an income tax amendment. Oh, they do it and so on. I see what you're saying. They'd pass a law to make it so it's ironclad. They'd uh, fix a, whatever in loopholes. In, a, in, a, in an absolute second. Now, if right. you don't like that, if anybody listening doesn't like that, which is very understandable, I'd much rather keep all my money and decide how I want to spend it. Mm-hmm. Me too. If they don't like that, then, then, then that's fine. Then go dig up uh, candidates that will support that position. I see what you're saying. Let's, let's, go, uh, let's jump back to the obligation issue, because this is the most fascinating part to me. Let me see if I understand you right here. You're saying that because some people in America, a minority of people... Because a minority of people in America decide to go to the polls once every four years or two years or whatever and stand behind a curtain and allegedly vote, because it's a secret process. We don't know if they voted. We don't really know who they voted for. Well, we've got to assume they are. Uh, we're we're presuming they're, they're checking boxes on a piece of paper because people, a bunch of people go into a room, check some boxes on a piece of paper, and some people claim that they won the election. Those people who are then so-called elected can then foist whatever sort of rules they want to on everybody else in the country. That's essentially what you're saying. Well, within the Constitution, and assumingly they want to get re-elected, and they're not going to do anything. How does the Constitution become a binding document on me? How does the Constitution, which is nothing more, sir, than a piece of paper signed by men, how is it that the Constitution creates obligations on other people? It's a social contract. Really? This social contract argument. Hold on. I'm sorry. Did you sign the social contract? Because I know I didn't. But I'm not going to go willy-nilly and do what I do. What do we all do? We all do what we think is right. Now, you may be a wonderful person. You may be totally mm-hmm. like a saint. But what if you're not? What if you're a criminal? Well, oh, wait, now, hold on a second, because I can tell you, sir, that the people running government are absolutely criminals, and they're doing things that are wrong. Here, here's an easy way to understand this, David, because it's really actually pretty simple. Would you 
ever consider going to perhaps it's your next door neighbor and uh, pointing a gun at him and uh, taking all of his money, or maybe taking twenty five percent? Give me half your money. I, I heard Rush Limbaugh say this, say the same thing. Of course not, except if my next door neighbor says to me that they want me to protect them with police and with an army. Okay, slow down. Slow down. Okay, I see where you're coming from. I'm just I'm not asking you uh, all those details. You're just saying you wouldn't go and use violence on your next door neighbor, right? Of course not. No. Okay. Now, would it be acceptable? Let's say your next door neighbor has a, a decent amount of money, and it would really help you out if you could get your hands on some of it. Maybe if you got together with ten of your friends and you all ne- uh, went to him and uh, threatened him, threatened his life, would that be okay to get his no. money? Uh, was that a no? Of course not. Okay. How many people does it take to make it okay? It's not. Look, the government does not come and say just just because we want to, we're going to take your money. That's what they're doing it. with the Browns. No, they're they're going to throw no, them in no, jail no, for no, decades, no, no, sir. No, no, no. Listen, the congressmen, the senators, and so on are not going into your pocket. They put the money into their pocket. What? They are going into your pocket so they can go build roads that you're going to want to drive. You are on. out of your mind, sir. Yes, what but I don't want them to build my roads. I don't want them to collect my trash. I don't want them to do any of this stuff. I don't agree with what they're doing with the money. Wait a minute, wait a minute. David, I don't agree with how they're spending the money, so why should I be forced to give it to them, sir? Well, then you got to go get a, a position. you got to get a, You can run for Congress. Oh, so then I have to vote. spend a bunch of money so I can get a bunch of people to vote for me and vote for my way so but I can enforce my way on other people? You want, you want everything the government should provide. I don't want don't anything want from the government. I don't want anything from them, sir. Nothing. But they demand but that I give them my money. So, they so demand it would... at the point of a gun, and that's okay with you. So you don't want a post office, then? A post heck office? No. What the heck do you need a post office for? You've got UPS, FedEx, these guys deliver, deliver right. stuff? Right. You don't want roads. I, I want roads. They, they can be built fine on a private basis, Look, sir. Uh, lots, no... of, lots of companies build roads to their businesses um, off, the, off the main right. highway. Are you telling me roads can't be constructed without the government? Maybe, maybe. Look, we haven't been attacked for a while except September 11th, but... You know, maybe we shouldn't have an army. You shouldn't have an air force or a navy. Look, the government's outlawed militias because they don't want competition in that arena. No, so we need, so we need private militias running around with guns. Uh, absolutely, that's yeah, how the com- that's how the country ran for um, for a very long time, and somehow that means something to you. That says I don't like your private militia. Well, that would be silly, wouldn't it? Because then you'd probably get shot. I don't shot. know because there's no rules anymore. The rules are whatever you want them to be. Now look, don't you, you think that don't you think that roads could probably be paid for with a direct tax on gasoline much more efficiently than this whole um, right, well, you want to pay for the program listen, to listen. feed poor people and I want to pay for the war in Iraq and all this other nonsense? If you're going to talk about the better way to have tax, a fairer administration, different projects, absolutely we can sit and have a reasonable discussion. But if you're going to say that there's no such thing as income tax, that the government has no right. The government has no right to get... Governments uh, don't have rights, The income tax is invasive because if I don't fill out all their forms and that kind of thing, then I... Then, you know, it's slavery on me. I have to to fill out these forms. It takes me hours and hours and hours every year to do my income tax. The government is enslaving me to fill out their paperwork. That's wrong. The government enslaves employers to collect money, to withhold money from people's paychecks as well. The government enslaves so many people, David, and that's just acceptable to you. There is a battle between simplicity and fairness. It would be lovely to say everybody pays 10%, that's it, one little postcard like what Forbes says, right? 
On the other hand, what if I'm really sick and you're not? What if I've got 10 kids and you don't? There's, what if my expenses and my business are much greater than your expenses and your business? There's got to be a way to deal with that. You can't, so the, the, the tax codes are a battle between simplicity and fairness. No, sir. And, and the tax just, codes are a bunch of words written by men who believe they have power over others. That's all there is to it. And when people decide they don't want to pay taxes because they believe they're sovereign individuals with rights, and these others who believe they've got authority come in and arrest them and throw them in jail cells, we've got a real anti-freedom problem on our hands. No, no, no. Listen, if the Browns don't want to pay tax and go on any services, that's terrific. They can go get on a dinghy and go in the middle of the Pacific and mm-hmm. not pay any tax to anybody. Love it or leave it, huh, David? Oh, wait, wait a second. Now, they paid for that land they live on. You're going to kick them off of it because yeah, somebody flies a flag tell over it? Called which, the... Tell me which area of the U.S. does not have real estate tax. I think they which all lo- do. Which locality? And I would imagine bad, they all do. My friend, they're all bad. Thanks for the time. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Hour number three is on the way. You want to talk taxes or whatever's on your mind, you can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off hour number three of the live Saturday edition. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Packet 8, toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. For all your voiceover IP needs, packet8.net. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give away all of the features on the site completely free. That's freetalklive.com. we got to go straight to the phones and to the fun. Let's go to John in California. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, John. How you guys do- How you kids doing? Doing great. What's on your mind? Look, uh, the Browns must have read your state uh, motto, right? Live yep. free or die. Live free or die. Yep. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's You'd... probably what they're going to do, but uh, you know what? I don't think that will happen. They'll go down as martyrs. You're, uh, anyway, you're talking, just let me recap real quick here. You're talking, for all the people just tuning in, you're talking about a case. It's unfolding right now in the state of New Hampshire. Ed and Elaine Brown, a couple of nice older people who just decided that they could keep all the money they earned. Imagine that. In America, they wanted to live for free, or live free, rather. Um, so they did that, and the government's now throwing charges at them, including conspiracy charges, tax evasion charges, etc. There's been a federal court case going on all week, and the Browns didn't show up for their trial yesterday, essentially citing that the, uh, the it's a kangaroo court. They didn't feel like they were getting a fair shake. And now the question is going to be, come Tuesday morning, considering Monday apparently is a federal holiday, come Tuesday morning, what is going to be the situation? Will they barricade themselves in their home? Will they allow themselves to be taken to jail? Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. You think they're going to be martyring themselves? Beg your pardon? You think they're going to martyr themselves? Well, no, no, no. What I'm saying is I don't think they'll be killed because then that will make martyrs out of them. But wait a minute, if, they're, uh, if they barricade themselves in their home and the feds come after them and they don't want to leave, they might get killed. Oh, they might get killed, but I doubt it. They killed the people at Ruby, uh, Ruby Ridge in Waco, so oh, yeah. it could happen here. Oh, yeah, they murdered them. But look at I want to clear up some uh, mistruths about Dave when he called. Dave. Oh, Dave, Dave. from Florida, right. Got it. Well, Dave. he's from Florida, but it sounded to me like he come from a monarchy. He'll never understand... Uh, the Constitution, uh, the way it was written, because uh, he, he he probably lived under a socialist system over there, but uh, or a feudal system, I think, is more more. Uh, 
you know, it's not entirely fair. Most Americans, um, you know, live blithely under our socialist well, know, system. But, you know, have. he said he was talking about the 18th Amendment, that didn't he? Yeah, he, he, he mentioned he the 16th. Well, the 18th Amendment has to do with prohibition, not uh, taxes. Yeah, yeah he I was just he just numbers. guessed wrong. You yeah. know, he's probably talking about the 16th Amendment, and that was. was even ratified. And uh, also the uh, <laughs> the Federal Reserve, when they met in 1910 on the, on the coast of Georgia at Jekyll Island, they also included the income tax, and that was uh, three years before World War One. There's a definitely now, they did some... after that after that meeting uh, when the United States got involved. That was only supposed to be a, a war tax originally, and uh, they they all they did was tax <clears throat> all they did was tax uh, the very rich, the very rich, and I think uh, tariffs still. Yeah, and that's that was how they that was how they got it in. They uh, told everybody, oh, we're only going to tax the richest of the rich, and then of course the rules it, changed you over got time. It, kids. Yep. Now, now, now you listen, bring up. Uh, you know, you look at the Constitution. The only thing, the only thing they're supposed to tax is are tariffs on imports. Mm-hmm. Imports. Well, now you bring up an important point. You bring up some important allegations, and that is that the Sixteenth Amendment wasn't properly ratified, and if it, even if it was, it would be unconstitutional. And uh, and going back to what David had said, that even if it turned out that some judge admitted which probably never would happen, but if some judge actually admitted that the 16th Amendment was bogus and essentially threw it out, that they would just go ahead and write a more ironclad version of the law. Now, as unconstitutional... You think they do that? Why do you think they'd not do that? Because it'd be unconstitutional, however... Yeah, it has to be legislated, and it has to be probably another amendment. However, we've seen recently we've seen recently how easy it is for judges to just simply disallow the Constitution from their courtroom. Last night we were talking about a gun trial in Arkansas, where a man wanted to talk about the Second Amendment in the courtroom, and the judge said, no, you can't take that defense. You, you can't make that uh, constitutional defense. And so yeah, judges like in this country of, just are, are excluding the Constitution, period. I like that comment Dave made about, uh, well, what do you want a bunch of guys running around with guns that belong to a militia? Well, yeah. That's, Absolutely. Somehow that's, we what, managed what, to make hey, it that what, way a long time in this country. What was the Second Amendment for? It was for uh, a tyrannical, to keep in check a tyrannical, a tyrannical government. Yep, you're absolutely right. Now, well, yesterday... Would you guys do me a favor? Sure, maybe. Depends. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't call it really the government. Mm-hmm. We're the government. I'm the not the government. The Republic, we're the government. But I, I'm not the government. They're that's the not government. true. We're, we're the ones that are supposed to tell them what to do, not Theoretically. the other way around. That was the concept. That was the idea. Yep. And they really gave it their best shot with the Constitution, but unfortunately there was too many holes, and the American people didn't pay attention to what their government was doing, and so they allowed it to, go out, uh, to get out of control. So the American people are as much to blame as the elected officials are in this particular case. Hey, well, can I make a comment, you guys? Please. Mm-hmm. That guy that called about uh, 9/11 being an inside job, mm-hmm. I believe he was right. There's too much evidence that shows that he was that he was absolutely I, I right. I understand there are a lot of people that believe that, and I don't, I don't yeah, know no, what well, to believe. Well, there's about 80% of the people that believe it. Well, now I, that, that, I think the poll that you're saying. 30% believe it does. It wasn't. 33% do believe that it was an inside job. I and, think the uh, 80% number is people that don't believe the government's telling the whole truth. I think that's what that is. And, yeah, that's that's true. And I don't believe the government story for a moment, but I oh, also you, don't you believe look at that. You look at that big hole in the in the Pentagon. How could a no. how could a plane fit that hole? The you should go. You really should. You really should go and uh, and look at some of the rebuttals. You'll be amazed have, um, have, at what they have to say. I've, I've read almost all the rebuttals on the internet, and I, there's not enough proof to convince me that it 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 
could only okay. be an inside job. Well, you know, we could sit here and uh, and go back and forth all the, on this for an hour, and I personally don't care who was behind 9-11. It doesn't matter to me, because I, I couldn't care less if you wanted to put a, a, a group of uh, Republicans or Democrats or constitutionalists or whoever it is in charge of the government. The reins of power will always attract those in search of it, and it will corrupt those who are not yet corrupted and attract the hey, corrupted. Listen, I, get, I do have some good news, though. Yeah. Ron Paul's running for president that of is the good Libertarian news. Party. We reported that news earlier this week. Thanks yep. for the call. We appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Wait, did he say for the Libertarian Party? No, it's for the Republican Party. Uh, at, at this point, it's um, there's still some pe- speculation in both directions. I would imagine it's really? going to be the Republican Party, but... Um, you know, there are people speculating that it's going to be libertarian. I think it'd be best if he got the Republican. I agree entirely. Uh, anyway, just a final thought on uh, the the whole conspiracy theory thing. Just to reiterate, it doesn't matter who was behind 9/11. It doesn't matter. Government's gotten bigger as a result. That's what matters. The government is getting more and more out of control as time goes on. It's the government and the size of government that needs to be fought against. We don't need to fight some sort of uh we don't need to fight a battle to try to bring people up on charges for 9/11. It's just a waste of time and effort because bringing up George Bush and his cronies on charges won't do anything to prevent future abuses. Nothing. Nothing. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. Let's go to the amplifier line and talk to it is Matt in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hi guys, how you doing today? Hey, doing great, Matt. What's on your mind? Well, first off, a couple of uh, comments about Dave, and I believe uh, this gentleman from California covered this, but he's right. It was the 16th Amendment. It wasn't the 18th Amendment. Mm-hmm. And, I didn't uh, want to go through correcting him because there's a little lag on. Um, yeah, there was a little lag on, on some of the phones, and you know, it just didn't seem like it made any right. difference. Uh, and uh, uh, it's debatable on whether it was actually ratified or not. Yes, it is certainly debatable. Um, people people do debate it. Um, at this point, it's been the law of the land since 1913, and uh, they've been acting like it's the rules, and right, everybody the pays don't it, care so, about that argument, right? And and so, I mean, I don't even I don't even know where to go with that. Yes, there's debate on it. It was certainly rushed through, um, but and yes, it's unconstitutional. But they don't care. The court doesn't. Courts don't care. And if the courts well, don't care, nothing's going to change. If it was ratified legally, it is constitutional because it's part of the constitution. But no, it's well, unconstitutional to oppose the type of taxes that they're imposing on people. It's unconstitutional. No, the, the taxes, um, you know, the 16th Amendment makes it constitutional. I thought, it's an as amendment I understood to it, the Constitution. As I understood it, even if, read corre- even if read correctly and ratified correctly, it still is an un- unconstitutional uh, tax. Matt, any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I agree with you. It's still unconstitutional. It, it, you know, supposedly changed the Constitution to make it constitutional, but that's like... Uh, well, that's just so wrong. Yeah, it's, it's really wrong. wrong. The, the, the founding fathers said you're not supposed to have any direct taxes, so you're not supposed to have any direct taxes. Right. You can't turn it around 150 years later and say, right. well, we want them. Although I suppose uh, you could. Was, I mean, go ahead. It was used to create uh, the Federal Reserve banking system that we have in this country mm. now, and it's, it's just wrong. Yeah, the whole uh, system is and, really and screwed I, up. And I think that enough people are getting pissed about it now that, uh, can I say that on radio? Yeah, you can. I think and I think, people but, are getting mad about it now. Mm-hmm. And, do uh, something. I think you're right, yeah, we'll and I think a lot of those people are uh, joining the Free State Project. More on the way. Thanks for the call, Matt. This is your show, Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is a live Saturday edition of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231, the packet 8 toll-free line for you. 
That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with and Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a bulletin board system, over 165,000 posts, over 1,300 people interacting. Like everything else on our website, it is completely free. So log in and have fun. bbs.freetalklive.com to get online. That's bbs.freetalklive.com to get on with our bulletin board system. So we've been talking about the absurdity of taxes, how it is that obligations to pay taxes are created, and we've heard some uh, some myths some common myths tonight that I don't know if we've had a chance to effectively rebut quite yet. And one of those myths is the idea that governments can have rights. And I'm sorry, but that's not possible because individuals are the only entities that can have rights. Governments are collective groups of people. How can a collective group have rights? Can you explain that to me? It, 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 they really don't. I mean, no. um, they they would have the rights of the individuals that are inside the, that um, collective group would have the right to speech, liber- um, the, the right to religion, the right to bear arms, the right to congregate. The individuals within that group have Absolutely. those rights. And nobody, nobody has the right. No one is born with the right to forcibly take things from other people. No one. You mean you taught you were taught that in preschool, hopefully, by your parents. When somebody took something from you or if you took something from little Johnny, they said, no, no, now you don't take things from little Johnny. It's not good. It's not nice to take things from others by force. We should have learned our lessons in preschool, but apparently we didn't because now we use force on our friends and family members in the form of the government's violence. And what happens is it's very simple. Uh, We asked David earlier in hour number two if he felt like, he was on the phone with us, if he felt like it was okay to just go next door to his neighbor's house and take 25% of his income. Just take a, you know 25% of his paycheck by force. And he said, well, no, of course not. He said, well, if, if it's not okay for you to do that, then would it be okay for you to get 10 of your friends together and go over there and take uh, some of his money by force? Oh, no, of course not. Well, then at what point does it become okay? Because what's going on with government is people get together and then they elect other people. These are all just individuals. Nobody's born more um, better than others. We're all born equally. And uh, they get together, they elect other people, and then they tell those other people, hey, we think it's okay if you go around and take people's money by force. You know, somehow this country managed to make it for well over a 100 years without an income tax. I don't understand why it is in the last um, almost 100 years that, you know, somehow we don't think that we'd have anything. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have garbage pickup. The, the, the That's caller, what the guy said. The yeah. caller, Dave, um, uh, you know... Uh, Estimated that somehow we wouldn't have garbage pickup if it wasn't for the Absurd. government picking up garbage. No, no. I, li- I, I swear, I live in a town right here in New Hampshire where the government doesn't pick up the garbage. And we pay it through the nose in taxes here, and they don't pick up the garbage. Right. There's plenty of property taxes and here. You know, and I'm... to think that we wouldn't have water because the government didn't, um, you know, owns a lot of water <laughs> companies. And to think that we wouldn't have electricity because in some states the government owns the electrical companies. Well, the mentality it's, there it's is... It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And the, the, uh, the un... Stated suggestion in that mentality is that, well, there are certain things, Mark, that are so important in life that we need the government for. Well, if then how come some places need them and some places don't? But also, if water's important, then isn't food equally important? And if so, why don't we put the government in charge of that? Oh, wait, the marketplace can handle the delivering food, but for some reason it can't handle uh, garbage pickup and water delivery? How come the government doesn't house everybody? I mean, somehow I can handle buying my own house, but um, bringing water to it, you know, I can't find somebody that'll bring water to my well, house. By the way, I was actually up early enough to see the garbage guys here in uh, in Keene, mm-hmm. New Hampshire, where we're doing the show from, and I was actually 
surprised and and as I saw it, I sort of it sort of made sense. What happened was now normally where we come from down in Florida, which is where David our caller was is living, you get a garbage truck and it goes down the street. It's the government approved garbage monopoly, and they've got like at least two guys, if not three guys, hanging off that truck. Right? There's one guy driving it. There's at least one guy hanging off the back or hanging off the, the passenger side, and he runs out, grabs the cans, and, and dumps them. Well, here in New Hampshire, there's one dude in the garbage truck. And that's because it's being run by a private agency that's competing with other private agencies for the lowest price and the best deal and the best service. This one dude drives the truck, gets out, picks up the, uh, picks up the garbage, dumps it in the truck gets back in the truck and drives it to the next house and they get the job done it's not a problem and they and that they cut their costs cuz they don't have to pay two guys now i presume if there's something really heavy they might call in someone and have a have assistance come out now, but I, I i'm i'm sort of um with dave that uh you know it would be very difficult to have roads without the government, um, or at the very least, uh, it's difficult to imagine the world without the government providing roads. Well, it's clear Dave has a difficult time imagining a world without taxes, let alone a, a world without roads. So but yes, you can th- see how people come to that point. I, th- I do think that the um, that roads should be ta- um, paid for by gasoline taxes at the very at the very very least. Um, that you know that way only the money that goes to, you know the people that drive on the roads have to pay for it. Some people have no cars. But they're paying for roads that they don't use, so, and that's just not fair. But then again, somebody else called in and pointed out constitutional issues with the income tax. And while I appreciate where those people are coming from, and I appreciate the fact that the income tax is unconstitutional and that it is wrong, I don't appreciate uh, the logic or lack thereof behind the Constitution. And when we held Dave's, uh, Dave's call, or we held Dave to the fire on it, he he stumbled. I mean, he couldn't explain how it was that a bunch of guys could get together in a room somewhere, write some stuff down on a piece of paper, and create obligations upon everyone else within a certain landmass, which is what allegedly happened with the writing of the Constitution. I mean, if that's possible, then, Mark, why don't we get together? How many uh, how many people were there to write the Constitution? Like 25, uh, 50? Yeah, something like that. Let's get 50 people together, and we'll all write up our own little Constitution, and then we'll say, we deem that all of America has agreed to our social contract and now this is the new constitution for America. I mean, how much more how much less legitimate would that be than what they did back in the 1700s? Well, they managed to get a, um, an army behind them and uh, fight off the British, so they sort of won the land. Um, but, you know, the, the government <laughs> the government really just has managed to be the largest gang around. That's all it is. That's all it boils down to. It's a it's a group of individuals Using force on others. Now, and I'm and not against. Wrong. I'm not against there being a government. I'm against all the things that I know you are. Yeah. I'm against all the things that it does, and I'm against the manner in which it collects taxes. Right. It has no legitimate authority, and not not from the. Um, I'm not talking about legal standpoint. I'm talking about moral standpoint. It has no legitimate authority to tell me that I have to fill out all of its little paperwork and stroke it a check. Oh, and don't forget, it always loves to tell you that ignorance of the law is no excuse. And I want to come back to the money laundering thing here in a little bit, but I want to go to the phones to John in Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, hi, guys. Hey, John, what's on your mind? Well, you know, uh, I follow a man, uh, Dr. David Duke, and he, uh, he was actually taken in on tax charges, if you remember, back in 99. The white supremacist? Yes. Uh-huh. He, he, uh, he was actually uh, accused of the IRS. He, uh, he actually made 65000 and he reported 18000 He was sent to the pen for that. Mm-hmm. 
And the other thing is, too, is I was going to talk about the war we're going to be going into Iran soon. and how David Possibility Duke exists. Yeah, it is. David Duke has been talking about that a lot on his website and in his speeches. And he actually are you a white with... supremacist? No, sir. Why are you following David Duke? He speaks a lot of truth about the uh, Zionists and the Jews, oh, how they are pushing on this war. All right. Take your paranoid views somewhere else. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Isn't that guy, didn't that guy call last weekend? I don't know. Spewing his anti-Jewish hatred on our airwaves? 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. I can't say I feel sorry for uh, David Duke. He's a scumbag. More's on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, the live Saturday edition. Your show, you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number. That's 800-259-9231, the packet 8. Dot net toll free line one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. It's Ian here with you and Mark one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Join us on our website at freetalklive dot com. All the features there we give them away, and that does include the listener map. We've got over seventeen hundred of our listeners who've taken the time to send us their uh, well, not send us there, but the, to add themselves to our listener map uh, from around the world. So head over to map dot com to see what that's all about. That is map dot dot com and Register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, February 23rd through the 25th. Meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be there. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum for more information and to get registered. That's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. We've been talking taxes, government, uh, the legitimacy or lack thereof of government. And Jet emails in with an, an interesting idea. He says, use the people of government. Instead of the government. When you're talking about these issues, Mm -hmm. sounds too big and overwhelming to deal with. It scares people, he says. Personalize it. Singularize it. He says it's a very powerful psychology. Point out that these are only people just like everyone else. So when you just say the government, then it's it sounds bigger than it actually is when it's when you say the people of government or I'm thinking maybe government people. I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one I like better. The people of government or government people. Hmm. At least that way you're sort of individualizing it. You're uh, you're breaking it down to. I like to say bureaucrats. Remind. Well, I like that too. <laughs> yeah, because who likes bureaucrats? No, it's not even. It, it sounds insulting. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Thanks for the uh, the suggestion, Jet. We were talking um, last hour, and, and actually it was what got us into this whole uh, conversation about taxes in the first place. The the Brown trial going on right now. Ed and Elaine Brown being brought up on charges. Uh, tax evasion charges, conspiracy charges, money laundering charges. Conspiracy based on the fact that they went to the post office to purchase postal money orders, and they bought $2,800 of money orders at a time. And the reason why they did that was because they knew that there were cash transaction reports and suspicious activity reports. And a cash transaction report triggers at $3,000. So if you go and you try to buy, uh, you try to purchase three thousand dollars in monetary instruments like money orders, there's a requirement, a federal requirement, that a uh, form be filled out called the tra- uh, cash transaction report on you, and that uh, t- CTR, as it's called, is sent to the Treasury Department, I believe. Uh, a flag is raised, and they're going to keep an eye on you. They're going to keep a closer watch on you. And all in the all in the name of freedom. Um, and keeping all in the us, name of what is the this? war on drugs. 
Oh, it's the war on drugs. I mean, yeah. oh, what business does the government have of what kind of tra- cash transaction I'm making? You know, this war on drugs that everybody loves so much just chips away at our freedoms, regular people's freedoms. Well, they also I should it. be able to buy whatever I want with whatever amount of cash I want, and the government shouldn't be watching me based on that. You would think, but they are, and that's why I wanted to just go over the, the rules and regulations. Now, th- I'm not a lawyer. I, I haven't actually done a refresher course on uh, these rules for a while, but the last time we looked into the issue, the levels, uh, the trigger points were set at about, I think it's $3,000 for monetary instruments. Those are checks, money orders, things that aren't cash, and then there's a $10,000 limit for cash. So if you go into your bank with $10,000 and you deposit it, they are going to fill out a cash transaction report on you. Mm-hmm. If you deposit $3,000 or more in monetary instruments, you're going to have a cash transaction report filled out on you. And if you go in and then you do what the Browns did, and you try to get around the cash transaction report rules by structuring your payments or structuring the purchases that you make, they might notice that as well and then fill out a suspicious activity report or an SAR on you. So if you go in and you buy $2,800 one week and then $2,800 the next week and then $2,800 or $27, $28, that sort of thing, if, if one of the tellers gets suspicious that you are being suspicious, if they think you are a suspicious person because of the, the types of transactions that you're doing and the order that you're doing them, they will fill out suspicious activity reports. And these can bring charges. These can bring conspiracy charges like the Browns are facing. Conspiracy to commit money laundering. Or conspiracy to buy too many postal money orders. And, of course, the suggestion earlier was that, well, everyone should know about these things. I mean, how are you supposed to know this? You don't know. You go into the post office to buy money orders. You just think you're going to be able to buy money orders. You don't know there's all these laws that apply to you until they bring you up on charges. Well, then you I, find out. I think the chances are very good that, it's, that the Browns... Um did know about the rules because that's why they bought. Sure, they did. Uh, that's you know that's why they bought the whole. Well, if you're going to clean some money, you probably should learn the rules. So that's I just figured I'd bring that out just in case somebody decides to go to the post office and buy some money orders, which was their mis- that was their biggest mistake personally. They should have gone to Amscot. They should have yeah. gone to check cashing services, Walmart. There's all kinds of ways to get money orders out there without using the post office. I mean that's just asking for trouble. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the toll free number. So there you go, money laundering tips here tonight on Free Talk Live. <laughs> All right, so we talked taxes, we talked money laundering. There's a lot still in the news going on here, and of course, as always, you can bring up whatever's on your mind. But here's an interesting little story, an interesting issue. We're getting into the uh, the area in this country now, a very scary area of enforcement of law, and it has to do with thought crimes. And I can't say that uh, I understand the, the emotionalism that's going to be behind this story when I read it. I understand how people are going to feel. But I don't think that it calls for what is happening. I don't think that these so-called crimes call for uh, any sort of attention at all. A Henry County man, according to jconline.com, the journal, uh, is attempting a chi- a charged with attempted child molesting for traveling to Lafayette to meet a 13-year-old girl for sex. But the teen... I can tell you and I are going to disagree on this one already. Go ahead. The teen was actually a police detective. Okay. Justin Hicks, 24, is charged in Tippecanoe Circuit Court with five counts of child solicitation stemming from sexually explicit online chats that he's accused of initiating in November and December. 
Hicks was first arrested December 13th when he showed up at a vacant apartment in an apartment complex on Lafayette's east side. According to the probable cause affidavit filed with the charges, the meeting place was set up between Hicks and Detective Sergeant Tom Davidson of the Lafayette Police Department, who was posing as the teen. The affidavit states that Hicks asked the teen at least twice for her age and that he knew that she was underage. Hicks's arrest, then again, there wasn't really a teen. Right, no teen. Hicks's arrest was one of three made by Lafayette detectives after a multi-agency federal internet predator sting in August, coordinated by the der- attorney's office in Indiana. One of the other suspects who came to Lafayette faces similar charges. A 55-year-old man, Davids, had said Wednesday that the purpose of participating in the online chats is twofold. He says, if we're not talking to them, there's a chance they're talking to a child here in Lafayette, and they will travel to get their child. If we can deter this in any way, whether by arresting the subject or scaring them from coming here, then what we're doing is effective. And so my question for you is, do you agree with a law that allows people to be arrested for doing nothing but having dirty thoughts? Because that's what happened here. He didn't touch a 13-year-old girl. He didn't go and even meet a 13-year-old girl. He had a dirty little chat with a man posing as a 13-year-old girl on the Internet. We're talking about a thought crime. So, Mark... Do you disagree? I don't. I, I, I'm, I'm very, very scared of um, police stings. I feel like they can get out of, uh, out of control very quickly. Um, in this case, there isn't a victim of the crime. Nope. Um, the system is the victim, Mark. The yeah. system. They hurt this police officer's feelings. You know, I feel like a crime needs to be committed, uh, and there needs to be a victim before um, somebody should be able to be charged for something. I, I, you know, I'll admit that, that this person's sick, um, that I will, uh, you know, that he shouldn't have been doing what he was doing. But in this right, particular case, you, who knows? Total thought crime. Because right. for all you know, and it's unlikely, but for all you know, this guy would have met with a 13-year-old girl and said, now listen here, little Jenny. Did you know that, uh, look, look I, you thought I was going to come here to do something dirty, didn't you? Now, that's not very good. I'm going to have a talk with your mother about this. It could have been like some sort of crusading good guy on the other side. You don't know. You don't know until the crime actually happens. And in this case, there was no crime. No one was molested. No one was touched. But this guy and, went to jail. I would like to say that, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if your 13-year-old daughter is on the Internet chatting with uh, 20-year-old men... It, You're responsible. I want to know if you disagree with me. Should this be a crime? Should talking to police posing as 13-year-olds be a crime in America? 800-259-9231. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, and this is the live Saturday edition, but just enough time for your call if you make it now at 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. Looking for someone who supports thought crimes. Because there's a story in the news about a man who's been arrested for talking with what he thought was a 13-year-old girl online. And went to go and meet with her and turned out she was a he. And he was a police officer. Now, he didn't actually touch a 13-year-old girl. He didn't even get to meet the 13-year-old girl. In fact, there never was a 13-year-old girl. But yet, he got arrested. And if you think that's a good idea, 1-800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. I think it's outrageous that we have people being arrested for thought crimes here in in the United States. In fact, we were talking earlier about thought crimes in the form of people 
conspiring to money launder, people conspiring to dodge taxes, people conspiring to grow marijuana, that sort of thing. Conspiracy charges are also thought crimes. And they're leveled all the time in this country. 800-259-9231. By the way, you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there, we give them away. Though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show uh, by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Over 320 of our listeners have become Free Talk Live amplifiers for as little as 3 bucks a month. It's voluntary. You know the website's for free. Those other radio talk shows want to charge you for their site. So we give the whole site away, and then we sort of ask for your support after the fact. And it's working, because what we're doing with the money is we're promoting Free Talk Live. It's not going to paychecks. It goes out, turns right back, we turn it right back around into advertising for the show. Get the show on more stations, and bring the message of freedom and liberty to as wide an audience as possible. So if that's important to you, head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Oh, we had had John in Indianapolis. If he wants to call back, he should, because we'd love to get him in here. He wanted to talk about the sexy topic. Um, but I don't know. I think it's it's pretty outrageous that... That here in the United States, the so-called land of the free, you can't even have a uh, a conversation online without worrying that you're going to cross some into pol- some police crosshairs. It's not because I spend time talking with young girls online. Not at all. I don't. But I don't think that it should be illegal. They're the ones who are online, if they really are online, and they, it should be their parents' responsibility to police what their kids are up to. If you don't trust your kids to get online and do sensible things like not invite a 25- or 55-year-old dude over to their house, then you shouldn't be giving them access to a computer. Now, should you? You know, uh, parents do far worse than uh, let their kids online with computers um, by themselves. They send them off to the mall by themselves to run around in packs. I mean, couldn't they just as easily meet some 35-year-old guy guy there? in his car. I I mean... I don't. It's so strange. I'm sure that's how it was done before the age of computers, Mark. I mean, uh, you know, if cops could, they'd dress up like 13-year-old girls and run around the mall and then try to solicit guys to, uh, go, um, you know, take them back to their cars. And then what? This is just. It's 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 you know these sting things can just get out of hand. Well, if you thought this was out of hand, uh, th- it gets worse. A different story. This one from ABC News. They're reporting on young Matthew Brand uh, Bandy. Matthew is a 16-year-old. And allegedly, he's about as normal of a teenager as you could find. He actually enjoys hanging out with his family. His mom and dad have wonderful things to say about him. It's been two years since police officers stood at the doorstep of the Brandy home with a search warrant, bearing a devastating charge. Possession of child pornography. That's right, the police came to a family home at 6 in the morning, pounding at the door, according to his mom. She was petrified. Police officers stormed the house. They stormed the house with guns pointed. How many times have they busted child porn freaks and they've been shot at? How necessary is this? Didn't they know that this was somebody's family's house? Did they even do any sort of homework in this area? Police officers stormed the house with guns drawn. The first thing I thought was someone's trying to break into our house, said Matthew. And then there were police downstairs with uh, police officers with guns pointed at me telling to get, telling me to get downstairs. Greg Brady, his fa- or Bandy rather, his father, was handed the search warrant and informed the central suspect was his son. According to the warrant, nine images of young girls in suggested poses were found on the Bandy family computer. Yahoo monitors chat rooms for suspicious content and reported that child porn was uploaded from the computer at the Bandy's home address. Matthew says, when they asked me, have you ever looked up or downloaded or uploaded erotic images of minors, I was just taken aback, and I said no. 
Nevertheless, Matthew did have an embarrassing confession. He had been sneaking peeks at adult erotic photos on the family computer. No. A 16-year-old boy in America looking at pornography? Can you what imagine? is this world coming to? <laughs> oh, crap. He said, I just got the website from a bunch of friends at school. It was just adult porn, like Playboy images. Difficult to admit, but not illegal, or so it seemed. Still, it didn't look good for Matt. As police confiscated the computer and left the house that December day, the family was shattered. Still remember what I, uh, they, when they were cleaning up and, my, and uh, leaving, and of course I was still in my pajamas and my bathrobe and fuzzy slippers, said his mother. What do we do now? Should I contact a lawyer? And the police officer said, well, they're felonies, and the state takes them very seriously. Now remember, we're dealing with a 16-year-old young man allegedly looking at child pornography. Nine images. Guess how many years they were look, uh, they were going to charge him with per image? How many years in prison? I, I, uh, five. Ten. Ten per... Ten per count, nine counts. Ninety years in prison is what this young man was facing. You know, the facing. funny thing is, is he's 16, you know? Yeah. If he, uh, he went and had sex with one of these girls that was, say, 17, a year his senior, right. um, there wouldn't be any problems at all. But uh, the fact that he... A down, picture. Yeah, that he had a picture. That's, that's, you know, the letter of the law, son. Sorry. So, of course, they claim that uh, his mom and, uh, mom and dad claim he's a good kid, doesn't do drugs, doesn't drink alcohol. Of course, they don't really know those things. They're just claiming them. And so they tried to defend uh, their son claiming that he wasn't looking at child porn, something else must have happened. And they ended up bringing in a computer expert, and she testified in their favor. We'll explain that in a moment. But apparently, in Arizona, child pornography laws are among the most harsh in the country. As soon as Matthew was charged, charged, he was put on virtual house arrest, and an electronic bracelet was attached to his ankle to monitor his movements 24 hours a day. Ridiculous. He says, it was just terrifying. I didn't know what was going on. I don't even know why it was happening. Matthew was in an awful predicament. He tried to keep his house arrest a secret, started wearing longer pants, tied the ankle bracelet. Obviously, he didn't want anybody asking any questions about what was going on. He couldn't sleep. He was having a tough time uh, getting his homework done. And it, you might imagine this is going to upset somebody's life a little bit. <laughs> All for pictures of girls, maybe, maybe, maybe girls his age. We don't even know that, in fact, um, this was... Child porn, right. which just means some, and it's not child. A seventeen-year-old sure. girl is not a child. Right. What's, what's going on there? Hey, uh, board up. We got spots running in the background. All right. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the toll-free number. So yes, in, in many cases, people will get in trouble for so-called child porn when the girls involved in the pictures are clearly teenagers and not children. Uh, but the law is the law, Mark. Well, you and know, it, people love to confuse the line between pedophile and ephebiophile. And there's a clear line. People don't uh, even know what that other No, they don't is. even understand. They think that, uh, you know, they, they think a 30-year-old man having sex with a 17-year-old girl is a pedophile. They no. Think it's rape. He's not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not, if he has sex rape. with an 18-year-old, suddenly it's okay. I mean, you know, that, that one-day difference between the two, oh, that makes all the difference in the world. And that, to me, seems a little weird. But, no, that's not the right terminology. Pedophiles mess with children. So here's what happened with under the rest the of the age of, uh, under adolescence. Here's what happened with the rest of the case. They brought in a computer expert. She took a look into the computer, found out that there was 200-something infected files, backdoors that could allow hackers to access the family's computer from remote locations. So... They made the case, essentially, that, well, it may not have been him, that it may have been some sort of hacker who got a program on the computer and then used the computer as a remote device mm -hmm. to upload the porn. I'd say it's a stretch, but it is a possibility. And you can also bet that if this happened to anybody who was over the age of 18, 
this evidence, these claims would have just been laughed right out of the courtroom, and those people and the, the people charged uh, who are adults would have been screwed. In this case, this young man got lucky. Now, they were looking at taking a deal from the prosecution. In exchange for dropping all of the counts of child pornography, Matthew pleaded guilty to the strange charge of distributing obscene materials to minors. That mm. is, a Playboy magazine that he shared with his playmates before lunch one day. But the, brand, uh, the Bandy fam, uh, family nightmare... I mean, this happen- how many boys has this not happened to? I mean, does this... Kid need a charge, a yeah. sex charge. I remember looking at Playboy on the back of the in the back of the bus when I was in fifth grade, and I think it'd have been crazy if somebody had brought up, been brought up on charges for that. Well, I don't know that it was a Playboy, but I uh, I know that a friend found one, and uh, I think I must have been seven or eight when the first time I saw one. I, you know, at that time they weren't uh, quite as explicit as they are now. Now, but you're, now you're thinking to yourself, Mark. Well, this guy just avoided a 90-year prison sentence, a maximum 90-year prison sentence. He's getting this plea deal. Sounds like a hell of a deal, but he would still be labeled as a sex offender. Of course he will. Even though He'll be, be tracked no for the rest of his life. Yep. Under Arizona law, uh, sex crimes carry with them a life of branding. Matthew would be forced to register as a sex offender everywhere he lived for the rest of his life. He said, I have to stay away from children. I can't be around any area where there might be minors, including the mall, to the movies or restaurants or even church. Uh, he is a church, minor, though. To go to church, I have to have written consent from our priest. I have to sit in a different pew, one that doesn't have a child sitting in it. The good news is he caught a break. The judge couldn't believe the prosecution was insisting on the sex offender status and invited Matthew to appeal. He ended up winning his appeal, and he got his life back. But for many, many Americans... How much money did he spend on that? For many Americans, they don't get out of it, and they do have to spend the rest of their lives as sex offenders, and it's a tragedy. We'll be back Monday night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Have a great weekend. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.